All right. So it's been quite a week um, in a few different areas. And I mean, I say that every single episode just because I think that right now, especially with what's happening in crypto generally, and I think this is a theme that's brought up quite a bit, is um, because Hedera as a network and us as investors, we're really arguably just six months or even a year into an actually like fully formed network for retail, right? I'm talking like DeFi, NFT marketplaces, fungible tokens, all sorts of different projects, um, the different pieces of infrastructure that you need. Um, we've got like the HIP process, the governing council, like all those different things. Like even when Hedera was getting started, right? Like we didn't have the Hedera token service initially. We didn't have the Hedera consensus service. We didn't have, you know, smart contracts. We didn't have these types of things. These have all been products brought to the network. And for a long time, we were all, it always was kind of like, we're missing a piece here. We're missing a piece there. And throughout 2022, it was really kind of like, uh, it, it felt, and even 2021 too, because of that, it felt like a lot of the, the different things that were happening in, in the, in the bull market. It, it was all, it almost felt like I hear this often where it was like, oh, I hope that people don't un, like don't discover this network yet because there's not we don't have NFTs or like we don't have this or we don't have that. And I mean, you know, HBAR saw some really great price action alongside a lot of other different assets in, in, the, in that market. But coming into, you know, last year and especially into this year, what I'm saying about kind of that six, you know, six months to a year is like. It feels like it's it's been that long since we've had a, like a fully formed place where people can get done what they need done, right? Like get the basics taken care of, um, have everything that they need to build. Even with the addition recently of like no code or low code um, options for building applications. So it definitely, why I say, you know, like, oh, what a week or oh my God, like how crazy it's been at the beginning of every show. Is because it truly feels like it's almost like we just started. You know what I mean? Like right as the bear market hit, it felt like we were just getting started, right? We we just had saucer swap. We were, you know, we just had a, a, a you know, a, a rise in the NFT space. So it really feels like it's an exciting time right now because on the backdrop of so many things kind of falling apart. And then also too recently, which we'll talk about in the show is like all these new things when it comes to traditional finance. Um, and other kind of organizations and institutions and entities kind of changing their posture on crypto. It definitely feels like a very interesting time um, in Hedera. So that's why every week is kind of like, oh my God, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of wild. Um, but what this episode is about is realizing that, you know, the same as that was the story for Hedera a while ago, and some of us can, can remember those times. It's currently those times for other networks, right? Or other communities. And one of those communities is the ordinal community. Now, before any, you know, H barbarians go, oh, why would we care about ordinals? You know, it's, it's this, it's that, you know, all those different types of things. Like when I keep seeing stuff about ordinals in my feed, you know, it's, we, I think we, you know, 
in in the Hedera community, sometimes we can shrug off technology because it's inferior or the technology itself like isn't capable of its design purpose. That's how it can feel sometimes. And it's tough to reconcile that with the fact that like hundreds of millions of dollars, right, have have flowed through the Ordinal's ecosystem. So when we talk about scaling or mass adoption, it's those trade-offs, right? Like the problem with the Ordinal's world is they don't have the pieces that they need to do what they need to do, really, right? Same situation as we were in. They have this different dynamic where they have that kind of mass adoption because it's tied to the Bitcoin crowd. So it's very fascinating. And I think that it's easy to look at that space and see a lot of problems. But as we'll learn, um, I think that a few in the HBAR community see opportunity. So we'll touch on that. Um, Patches isn't usually around on Sundays. I put the feelers out. We'll see if he's around. If he stops by, he stops by. He hasn't been on the show for a month. I thought I had like... It always feels like I have him on the show pretty frequently, but I looked and I was like, I haven't had the guy on for a month. So it's been a while. But anyways, we got a lot of stuff going on. We're live on Twitter with another week at Hashgraph to unpack. Let's dive into the news and rumors mega thread on Twitter and get some stuff out of the way initially. Um, so that's pinned to the top of the spaces here. We'll just dive into a couple things. We're going to talk about... Um, ordinals, of course, we're going to talk about an upcoming, uh, interview I've got with an executive partner at IBM. The mainnet has been going wild. Dovu has updates. HBAR saw some very interesting price action. Um, TradFi, right? Traditional finance, AKA BlackRock, Citadel, Deutsche Bank, NASDAQ, whatever you want to call them. They're changing their perspectives a little bit, Right. Um, and some people have some thoughts on that. There was a great episode of the H bar bull published with a couple key insights. I just wanted to unpack. Um, I'm working on an NFT. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, there was a chat GPT plugin created for Hedera. That's had some interesting ripple effects, which we'll touch on. Um, we'll talk about Atma. We'll talk about hash pack. We're going to talk about. The Fed, we're going to talk about just a, a brief update in the Access Saga, any OGs out there. Um, and Arkaya has a little goodie for everybody. So with that, good evening from Ottawa, Canada, everyone. My name is Brandon Davenport, and I'm a developer, musician, and founder at my creative firm, Dirksen and Davenport Incorporated, helping artists, businesses, and startups in the Hedera ecosystem. And like all of you, I'm a Hashgraph enthusiast. It is June 25th. And welcome to Hashgraph News and Rumors, episode 81, Problems and Opportunities. Uh, this is a weekly show where we cover the top stories related to Hedera, HBAR, and everything in between. Broadcast live on Twitter Spaces every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and made available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube every Monday. Get all the info you need about the show and listen to past episodes at itsbrandond.com slash HBAR. And you're, if you're listening live now um, on the Twitter spaces at the bottom right, there's a little comment button. Um, you can, you know, if there's something interesting, mention it. I'll talk about it. Um, the mega thread is pinned to the top so you can dive into each story um, and share the spaces now. You know, like, uh, let's get it out there. The more, the merrier. Um, and I mean, this show continues to grow. I've, I've been 
you know, looking at the numbers from the different spaces and also from the different platforms. Um, it's growing from hundreds of listeners to thousands. I mean, a lot of people are in different time zones. So most listeners are listening to the recording of this, right? Like I'd, I usually have about maybe a hundred, 150 people tune in live. I wake up in the morning, a couple hundred people have listened. Um, so that's why we brought the show to, you know, Apple podcasts, Spotify, all those things. Just people want to listen to the recording. A lot of people aren't available on a Sunday evening. So want to keep the time slot, but want to make sure people can, uh, can listen. Um, and I mean, like the other thing too, is the show's getting longer. I mean, when I started the show, it was tough to fill an hour. Now consistently the show is like an hour and a half to two hours. It's just because I think that there's so much happening. And one thing to keep in mind is we've received um, so many like really just awesome donations. And I say awesome donations because people will leave like a memo in the transaction with a nice message. Um, so I'm just assembling the the, the pieces I got to get for my new audio setup here, all stuff. So the show is going to keep getting better. But I think that there's so many people currently like DH Bar Bull, um, Fatboy has a great spaces. Um, Vicente and the H bar gremlin do a great spaces for NFTs. I mean, I can go on and on. So there's more people covering news in the, in, in, in the space right now, which is great. So what I'm hoping to do going forward is find better ways to filter out the stories that I talk about to find a more, a better focus for the show. Cause I think that it's tough to try to pack things in. I want to try to find that breathing room. So I'm going to be continually trying to make the show as good as it can be. I don't want it to grow into this monster of a show. I want to try to keep it nice and tight. So, I mean, the guests, I'm doing guests now. I've had all sorts of people on the show. Um, so it just keeps growing, which is great. But finding that focus is key. And I mean, if you want to support the show, um, send an HBAR donation to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet. The full HBAR address can be found in the thread pinned at the top. Brought to you by listeners like you. Let's just dive into it. We have so much to talk about. Um, I think what I'll do real quick um, is I'm just going to talk about kind of a little bit of, I guess it's kind of breaking news off the top. Breaking news as in I woke up this morning and was kind of excited. Also, perfect ability. I'll, I'll bring you up because right after I touch on this, we'll we'll chat about what's going on um, over on the, the Hedera subreddit. But when I woke up this morning, and again, I'm in Ottawa. I'm in the Eastern time zone. I wake up. And I see some really wacky volume on HBAR and I see it kind of, we're not pumping, right? But like we're seeing some solid upswing on HBAR as of this morning. I don't know what the charts look like right now. I'll take a peek in a minute. But um, it was the volume that was exciting. I was kind of like, oh, weird. Like what's what's exactly going on? So I'm scrolling through my feed and I see that um, Ed Marquez, he had published um, uh, article on the Hedera website talking about an interesting demo that you can do to create a chat GPT plugin to effectively talk to the network, right? So you'd be able to ask things to GT GPT like, hey, how many of this token does this account have? And chat GPT would be able to tell you that. Now, obviously, two of the biggest buzzwords right now is, you know, crypto and AI, so when you put those together, it creates a little bit of kind of like rocket fuel. And there was an article at the same time when I woke up, there was an article in, I believe, Cointelegraph, I think. And it was 
the headline was basically, let me see if I can find it here. Yeah, the headline was chat GPT plugin goes live for the Hedera network. So obviously, you know, buzzwords aren't all for nothing. There's also substance behind it. It's a useful tool that was created. I mean, if people are excited about it, they're excited about it. And a part of me was like, could an article like this about like some tech demo drive price action like that? And um, to one of my tweets, uh, Brady from Swirls, he kind of said, well, it's obvious. I mean, the timing, you can't ignore the timing on this. So I think it's pretty well understood that this article on Cointelegraph and kind of as that news propagated about this little tech demo for a chat GPT Hedera plugin caused a little bit of a price spike, which is strange and fun. Um, so it goes to show that, you know, when you have these buzzwords, they do have an effect. If that was the case, of course, like if it wasn't just some other kind of private market activity that was driving that or what have you. But um, I mean... Obviously, probably perfectability, something that the Reddit community was talking about. But um, I want to unpack the Reddit report now, basically taking a look at the Hedera subreddit where we've, you know, there's like over well over 30, 35,000 H barbarians over there unpacking the news, going really deep into all the sorts of rumors and stuff. So perfectability is kind of like um, just a solid guy over there. He's doing a lot of the posts, providing a lot of the insights and has his fingers on the pulse of the subreddit. So what's going on, man? I'm sure people are talking about the chat GPT thing, but I'm curious to kind of see uh, what else is on everyone's mind over there. Uh, yeah, that was uh, definitely huge news uh, and something I'm really excited about. And uh, I think the community as well. Um, uh, other things that, um, you know, was uh, happening, we talked about on the Reddit is the we got a new uh, crypto world record uh, for 116 million transactions in one day. So that was pretty exciting. Um, and uh, Hedera passes Bitcoin's lifetime transactions every 6.5 days. So every, like we, we pretty much just, you know, just do all of the Bitcoin's like lifetime transaction, which is pretty awesome. Um, a single use case, Adma.io is driving around 1400 TPS on Hedera. And uh, what many people don't know is that Emma is not an isolated application, um, but is used by hundreds of companies, including some of the biggest in the world. Um, and it is changing the way uh, products are being tracked. Uh, so some cool stats here. Six uh, out of 20 top apparel brands use Atma. Four out of 10 top quick service restaurants, or short for QSRs, use Atma as well. Uh, this is a good reminder that Adma is really a bunch of diverse use case uh, disguised as one, and that there are there, that there is considerable runway for this platform beyond what we're seeing now. Uh, the um, the breadcrumbs are there, you know. Um, we just uh, have to know where to find them. The connection to Avery Dennison and the food industry uh, is on the brink of disruption, and billions of transactions will come from all the different segments in apparel, food, general retail. Uh, to uh, aviation and logistics, and this is uh, just the beginning. Um, and one thing that uh, Redditor also commented, which was kind of interesting, he says, do we know who the largest shareholders of uh, Avery Dennison are? And at number one spot, we have Vanguard Group, which owns 9.9 .9 million shares. And coming at number two, we have BlackRock, which owns 6.5 million shares. So... Vanguard and BlackRock are the two biggest shareholders of uh, Avery Dennison, which is 
cool because I'm sure, you know, they will get exposure to Hedera if they haven't already gotten it. Um, so, you know, with Avery Dennison, Pomelo's transaction, every one of those transactions is proven the network. Each one is a vital stepping stone to enterprise adoption. Uh, each, one, each one is putting the Hedera platform into a league of its own, like a league of one. Uh, we can see the network getting a truly unique and highly valuable property, which leads to literal birthing of an incredibly important new global compatibility, um, a compatibility which, you know, really no one else has. Um, like, you know, I, I see we're light years of, you know, the competition. Um, and one way I, to look at it, you know, it is like when the Wright, the Wright brothers, you know, first flew passengers, um, you know, Lehman Mansur, the Wright brothers, and they developed Hedera. And in a big way, Adma.io is that passenger that's seeing the proven technology and takes flight. And, uh, we, you know, we all know what happened after that. Um, flight tech involved from the Wright Flyer in 1903 to the first lunar landing in 1969. Uh, that's only 66 years apart. Um, you know, when the tech is proven, it explodes like wildfire. Um, you know, look look at the Internet and uh, look for her there in the future. Uh, winky face. I, lo- I love that. I love that analogy because it's literally about going to the moon. But but the other thing is, is, um, you know, Rob Allen said something interesting on the recent um, HBAR Bulls show that kind of speaks to the at my own thing. He, it, when he was talking to Scott Thiel um, from DLA Piper in regards to kind of the um, residential real estate market, as, as most folks know, um, you know, that that three quarter um, quarter million dollar home was tokenized um, on Hedera through DLA Piper with the platform um, called uh, Quarter Homes, obviously, you know, fractionalizing real estate in quarters. And so there was four pieces, but basically as a, as a test case and Scott from DLA Piper said, um, he talks about kind of these fractions of markets as kind of exactly what you're talking about with Avery Dennison and Atma.io, which is it's focused right now on kind of that kind of within the apparel side of the supply chain stuff. So like a fraction of a market in one country, same thing that Scott said about, about this. He said, the crypto market cap might be worth 1 trillion, but just American real estate, right? One fraction of an asset class in one country is worth 40 trillion with global real estate worth hundreds of trillions of dollars. So it's it's kind of like you're saying is, and I think also too with the Atma.io, their platform, Hedera was kind of an opt-in option for clients. So obviously I think, and, and this is just me kind of inferring this, is why we're seeing TPS steadily increase from this one use case is could that be more of their clients deciding to opt into this? You know what I mean? Like that's one thing in my mind that, that kind of, uh, Made sense, but I just wanted to kind of chime in with that. But please uh, continue on. Yeah, uh, that was great, and there was also a great interview uh, with the HBAR Bull, where uh, I think he had both like somebody from Toco and uh, Quarter Homes. That was also uh, super interesting. But uh, but yeah, like uh, I love every time we you know Rob uh, just you know says stuff just because he just so uh, I don't know, like he's just so full of knowledge. Oh, sorry, did I say did I say Rob Allen in front? I meant Scott. I don't know why I said Rob Allen. I think I said Rob Allen because Rob Allen is literally on every episode of the H Bar Bullshit. So if I said that, so. and he he did talk about Toko and Quarter Homes yeah. too, so you weren't wrong. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, uh, just coming back to all that, uh, if you want true utility, 
uh, utility that is adopted, then it must be proven before the majority will adopt it. Um, it's not optional, you know, it's uh, like the Wright brothers, you know, they had to prove that the airplane like flew that didn't just, you know, like uh, came uh, crashing down until they got their first uh, passenger. Um, and the value of this proof is so important that, you know, whether it is granted by the HBAR foundation or charged for, it doesn't uh, even factor in the issue of, you know, um, just, you know, uh, the utility being adopted and proven. So I think that is super important. Um, you know, a lot of people complain, say like, oh, you know, like Amazon's doing all these transactions, but, you know, they're, they're not like, you know, they're, uh, they're from a grant. Well, you know, I, I think the value um, is that they're, you know, showing the world like what Hedera can do. Like, you know, they're proving that first flight, like they're that first passenger uh, in a, you know, in a big way. Yeah, I think that I love that analogy because I think that's something, too, on this that the community has been grappling with is, um, you know, really the fact that all of those transactions done by Atma are are um, uh, subsidized, right? And really Atma isn't paying for these services initially. But I think it's a great point to understand that this it's not like just this is some kind of like enterprise trial run or something like that. This is risk mitigation essentially for a leap of faith into a new technology at a scale that I don't think has ever been seen before. Like just to reference that HBAR bull episode again, like Rob Allen did say like, this is the biggest enterprise use case utilizing blockchain. You know, he says blockchain, but obviously like DLT largely. So it's like, this is really like all hands on deck and yeah, sure. There's, you know, people think of the scenario, like the subsidies stop and, you know, Avery Dennison, goes, ah, well, glad we tried it. Uh, it's not worth it, whatever kind of thing. But if we're seeing, yeah, I, I, exactly. If we're seeing more and more, and also they are a governing council member, so it is to their benefit to use the the platform. Yeah, but, um, you know. and I, I forgot who said this quote, but they said something along the line that, um, you know, when like a big company like Avery Dennison, they are building something on Hendera, they're looking like on the long run, you know, they're not going to spend all this resources, all this time to just, you know, like, you know, like they want something that they can build on. That's going to be there, you know, 20, 30 and, you know, 40 years. Yeah. But uh, yeah. What else is going on? Um, I thought the um, bank social had a uh, MAA and I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, they uh, recently had their, um, they had enough votes in their DAO uh, to move from BNB uh uh, BSL to Hedera. Um, uh, so that was uh, interesting. And they also talked about how they're coming out with this new wallet. And um, they said it's going to have every chain available, you know, some, um, from Ethereum, Bitcoin, all the Hedera tokens, uh, NFTs, um, and uh, all that fun jazz. Wow. So that's okay, uh, so that... another wallet competition, you know, on the yeah, way. Yeah. So that's so, so if people are familiar, like we got John Wingate on Twitter at President Hodel, which I don't know, it's like the greatest Twitter name, I think. <laughs> but but like he's an interesting guy. I don't know if I've had a chance to have him on the show. I didn't know they were doing a wallet. That's interesting. So they're doing a multi-chain um, wallet. That's really interesting. Uh, yep. That's what they said. Um, so that's uh, it's gonna be pretty cool. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, I'm definitely interested to see what that's gonna be like. Um, and also, you know, like um, the, um, there was a tweet 
that uh hasker like said that like he got stuck in like dallas i think like one night and he like met up with the bank social president and then he saw you know what they were like trying to do and he just was super excited about it so oh yeah that's right that was something everyone was freaking out about was that tweet from Chasker like bank social is doing like he said something that was so outlandish you know what i mean so that's great yeah and uh going back to the chat uh gtp uh it was interesting that uh right when that like tweet came out we just had like this huge like spike um and like the timing was kind of like impeccable um it was pretty crazy this um this other redditor said that he thinks that another possibility is that uh, we had some token release. So some traders like maybe anticipated the price drop and entered like, you know, leverage short positions, some of which were liquidated to contribute to like, you know, the big volume and spike earlier. So that's another possibility that someone uh, brought forward that I thought it was pretty interesting that, you know, uh, that could be also. Um, and um, uh, also, uh, you know, last thing I want to share is, um, you know, um, it used to be that Hedera had the lowest uh, percentage of release supply versus max supply. Um, this is kind of where like Hedera's bad tokenom uh, tokenomics, you know, came from argument, kind of like the root of it. But when compared to many other markets competitor, we are now right in smack in the middle of the pack um, as far as release percentage is concerned. Uh, Avalanche is at 48 uh, percent. Chainlink is at 54 percent. Stellar is at 52 percent. Uh, XRP is at 52%, Cardano 74, um, sorry, Algorand is at 74, Cardano 77, VeChain 84, Litecoin 87, Polygon 93. Um, so we're getting there, guys. Right, so the uh, the optics on the network's tokenomics are starting to improve a little bit. And that's interesting what you said about um, outside investors coming into Hedera <clears throat> and seeing those token releases, seeing these different kind of calendared events as kind of these, you know, swing opportunities. I think that that could potentially create some kind of like um, self-affirming kind of like feedback loop in a way where it's like generally that's not the price action that we see normally is like it's pretty well understood that when those token releases come out, we don't have like a massive dump. There isn't like a giant swing opportunity, but if people start to have that mentality, like that's what creates those different types of um, price actions that that start to repeat is like if people kind of anticipate that happening, then they're going to do those things. And that's just going to reinforce that those things happen and create kind of that feedback loop. So as more liquidity comes into Adara, as the, the types of investors start to diversify away from being more technology focused to more investment or trading focus like intraday, then we could start seeing like some really interesting price action like we were seeing kind of at the beginning of the bull market uh, a couple of years ago. So that that was just interesting that you that you were mentioning that. Yeah, great mind think alike. <laughs> right on. Um, I think that's pretty much uh, all in my end. Um, I didn't want to say uh, the karate combat uh, fight was awesome. Um, I uh, put all my uh, coins into uh, Raphael. And uh, I was not disappointed. Um, that was a pretty sick fight. Um, did you get to catch any of it? No, honestly. So one one of the one of the announcements I have for this episode is I'm there's not going to be an episode of the show on July 9th because I'm actually going to be um, that weekend. I'm going to be getting married, so I've been in kind of like 
right? So I've been in wedding planning mode. So I have, I have not had time to bet on any fights. I've barely had time to like get this show put together today. So it's like, I have to dive into it because I feel like an idiot because they do that. They do the, um, betting so you don't lose so it's like what am i doing like why am i not just you know and, and that's why i went all in you know if i was like actually like investing i would you know like like spread it out but i was like you know what like if i miss this like i'm gonna still have the same amount of coins i have so i was like you know i'm i can make that kind of play and take those risks uh but you know calculator risk like um rafael is probably like you know like the best karate fighter you know of his uh of his way when he's like when he started like um, he was like fighting, you know, and he, there was a, a time where he was literally just like dodging punch. Like, I don't know if you guys ever seen like Dragon Ball Z where they're just kind of like dodging like punches, like really fast. That's what he was doing. So, um, when I saw that, like, you know, in other fights, I was like, yeah, that's the guy I'm betting on. <laughs> and it worked out great for me. So that was fun. Um, we, um, we watched the fight at my house, you know, my friends, I got my friends into like the game and they really got into it. And then we had like a little party. So it's a cool little vibe, you know, it's, and, um to have even Hedera like tied to it i think that's a cool uh, use case um so yeah that was pretty exciting yeah i mean like even if you're not into fighting like just what perfect ability to scribe that's what we've been starving for is like genuine fun experiences for people where they're using this network and this technology like that's literally what mass adoption looks like is like hey we're hanging out we're on an app we're watching sports we're doing you know things that we normally do um, they don't know what's what's happening under the hood. It's just fast and cool. So I love that. I love hearing that. That's wild. Yeah, it was cool. Right on. Okay. Well, man, appreciate you uh, coming by. I love the uh, the tidbits and info as always from the community. Was there anything um, that you wanted to shout out or anything before I uh, move on here? Uh, no, just you know, uh, shout out to you, man. Like you know, you can marry. That's that's huge. Uh, congrats, man. <laughs> Thanks like, so much. Uh, uh, happy for you, and I'm sure the community is uh, just as excited. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you so much. I really appreciate. It. I'm, I'm like, I could be happier. <laughs> All right, brother. I'll talk to you guys later. All right, cheers, man. Okay, so let's dive into it. So, <clears throat> um, talking about records right talking about activity on the network growth all these different types of things pleasant surprises like i described waking up this morning and being like oh what's going on we also saw something crazy happen probably the craziest um five days ago the mainnet hit thirteen thousand five hundred transactions per second <clears throat> so for reference, right? Just for any folks that are new, just so I can impress upon you how wild this is. Um, Bitcoin, right? And Ethereum are running at, you know, maybe one, two, 10, like maybe on a crazy day, 20 transactions per second. Uh, effectively, every network combined, right, is running at, you know, 500 to 1,000 transactions per second. And the Hedera mainnet currently is averaging about a thousand or fifteen hundred transactions per second. So that's crazy in itself. But not only that, since it's uh, it's since the inception of the public Hedera network, the network's actually been capped to ten thousand transactions per second. <clears throat> so basically, um, what that means is the network 
isn't going to go past 10,000 transactions per second. Now, what we did learn from, I can't remember exactly who it was. I think it was actually, was it Lehman in that interview? Was it the interview I did with him or was it the one before? Or was it the town hall? Anyways, what we know is that, that 10,000 transaction per second throttle on the main net isn't like a hard throttle. It's not like it hits 10,000 and then just cuts off. It can accommodate um, spikes beyond that. So hence, we saw 13,500 transactions per second. So let that sink in. That's, that's, that's insane. That's basically 13 times the amount of transactions per second as every other crypto network combined. Um, that's wild. And what that means is pretty significant. Last episode, we were talking about the mainnet hitting 10,000 transactions per second, right? Spiking. And again, I'm not talking about sustained. I'm talking about for a moment or a few moments here and there it's happened. Why? We don't know, but we do know that it's capable of doing that even with the throttle. And that's exciting. It's these signals that we're seeing, right? The same as um, the main net at the beginning of the year with the initial step function in January, riding up to a couple hundred transactions per second. Now we're sitting at, like if I go to um, Hedera, txns.com, right? 1300 TPS, 1300 transactions per second. That's crazy. And so I think what this is about is watch the test net. It's cranking away too. It's really clear that something is happening. We're seeing so many people on Twitter um, that are kind of in the know, kind of winking and nodding to something coming. Even recently, we'll, we'll talk about the recent H. Barbo episode that that um, Rob Allen from the Hashgraph Association was featured on. He's doing a lot of like literal winking and nodding. Um, so it's clear from what we see in regards to network activity two really important things. One is an increase in transactions per second is is coming, obviously, which is exciting and currently happening, right? We've doubled since the initial step function effectively. Um, also, hopefully the diversification of transactions, right? So it's worth remembering that 99.5% of transactions happening on the main net right now are HCS transactions, Hedera Consensus Service transactions, which are very low revenue generating. Other transaction types like HTS, right, Hedera Token Service or Smart Contract Service, make 10 or 100 times as much revenue per transaction for the network. So it's not just about increasing the amount of transactions, but it's also growing the diversification of transaction types moving through the network. Because if we, let's say, quadruple the, the amount of HCS transactions happening through the network, you know, it's not going to make that big of a difference. But if we increase the amount of HTS transactions happening from, let's say, 50 per second to 100, that may have a really big effect on the network. So it's about diversifying the amount of transactions happening on the network. Um, some other exciting stuff happening. I mean, quick mention on Monday, tomorrow... I'm going to be on um, Genfinity's Twitter spaces. Shout out to King Solomon um, and the Genfinity crew um, and also Hashpack for helping organize this. Um, 
I'll be joining King Solomon and interviewing um, Shyam, who is an executive partner at IBM, to learn more about like what are they working on over there, right? Their governing council member, IBM led some of the initial investing rounds in Hedera back in 2017. Um, they are also like an enablement partner. So they're like building out technology quietly for a lot of other use cases. So IBM is really a major cornerstone in more ways than one for Hedera. And it's going to be really interesting to talk with Shyam and, and see actually what's going on from a community perspective. I really want to take some of the, the, the questions and sentiments that I've seen in the community and kind of bring that to a governing council member and kind of be like, you know, hey, you know, what's going on? Um, so I had a lot of fun on the last spaces interviewing Lehman with uh, King Solomon on, on Genfinity. So I thought like, hey, that, this is awesome. Let's do another one and maybe some more. Like, I think that, that, that it's great. So um, shout out to Genfinity um, and just the aspect of literally connecting the community with the big wigs. Like that's kind of what we've been talking about. I talk about this analogy of bringing the community world a little closer to that kind of like enterprise world. Um, and you know me, I'm pretty chill. I don't really think too much about stuff when I'm asking questions. I'm just curious and I'm a community member. So I just think that it's important for my role to kind of be like surfacing the community as close as I can get to these kinds of folks and helping kind of bridge those kind of things. And like, Hey man, open a wallet, grab a friggin' barboon or a dead pixel or what are you into? Or like, have you tried this stuff out? Like, you know, let's make an introduction, right? It's a shared world. We've got stuff to share too, right? It's a vibe. What else is going on? Um, we've got, I won't dive into that yet. Um, what else we got going on? Dovu. So Dovu has a really cool update with something called the black hole protocol. Now, quickly touching on this, the full story is in um, the Twitter thread pinned to the top. It's quite technical. But what's great about this story that I love, it can really be distilled down into an easy to understand um, thing. And, and it, I love it because it fits with the theme of the show, right? Problems and opportunities. There's a problem on the Hedera network where burning assets like NFTs is difficult right? In comparison to um, Ethereum-based networks. So what this effectively means is if you, you know, hold NFTs that you kind of want to get rid of permanently forever, it's not super easy to do that. And you want to be able to just send them into a black hole, which is effectively a contract that includes analytics um, and sucks those NFTs in and they can never be extracted, right? This is a new tool for the ecosystem, um, largely being framed for um, the retirement of carbon, right? So Dovu is a carbon offset use case, an ESG use case. This is a way that tokenized carbon can be retired effectively on the network using this black hole. So basically, uh, the explain it like I'm five is essentially you got stuff in your wallet you want to permanently get rid of forever in an easy way. Now you have one on Hedera where you didn't before. And I think it's on testnet. I don't know if it's live on mainnet yet, but it's a, it's a big development. It's really cool. Check it out. Um, and maybe send some stuff that you don't like anymore to the black hole. Um, 
Speaking of black holes, as I sip my coffee here, <clears throat> traditional finance is a world unto itself. One of the reasons Web3 is exciting is because a lot of people around the world can't be included in traditional finance, right? They call these folks the unbanked. In developing economies, these people might be far away, right? They might um, be a lot different um, than people on the other side of the world, but they're our neighbors, right? In regards to how we're all connected right now through the internet. But the problem is, is that they can't get connected. They can't get access to things um, that they need. A great example of this is often in, you know, in Canada here in the U.S. and kind of some of these, you know, leading economies in this space, right? Like Europe and different things, and is we're using Web three to. <clears throat> make our existing systems better, retrofit our existing systems, tear the old systems down and replace them with better ones, right? But in, in these other places, it's different. They don't have these systems to begin with. And so it's a very different story. And there's upsides and downsides, right? The downside is, is that you've got, you know, billions of people that just don't have access to basic things the same way you and I do, being in, being in uh, different economies, right? They don't have access to banks. It's not easy to do these things. And it's not easy for businesses to be able to do these things. It slows, it creates a bottleneck um, for the development of entire societies. And so what Web3 is great for is you don't have a system to retrofit. You're not replacing anything. You're starting brand new. It's a blank canvas. And that's why we're seeing so much innovation in regards to Web3 in these developing economies. And that's the upside. That's what makes it so exciting so um, that's fun. That's cool. Uh, but over here, we're talking about regulations. People are digging their heels in. People get paid a lot of money to keep inefficiencies in place. Um, inefficiencies generate a lot of revenue. Another great example of that is um, in the Web3 space itself, a lot of revenue is generated by 50 cents, a dollar, a dollar 50 fee being hidden inside of a network gas fee effectively. And on Hedera, you don't have that. So even Hedera itself is disruptive to Web3 in the same way Web3 generally is disruptive to traditional finance. So what's going on in traditional finance? Well, um, as you've all seen, it's it, it's been a it's been a rough go for Web3. Um I don't think that from a regulatory standpoint, like when we look at the FCC or the SEC, sorry, um, when we look at institutional banks, organizations, and all, even enterprises too, the, the 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 take on crypto hasn't been super positive. We've seen tweets recently after this bear market, this arguable crypto winter has overtaken us and we're at the bottom, or so they say. And it's just a lot of despair in the air. BlackRock, Citadel, Deutsche Bank, NASDAQ have all started to enter the crypto space. Um, we're seeing Fidelity. We're seeing um, Coinbase rearing up. We're seeing, well, I, I won't say Coinbase, they're not traditional. I don't know why I looped them in. Um, but anyways, Banks, traditional finance, government, even the Fed chair talking about how the fact that stable coins need to be treated as 
actual currencies in a way. Is this kind of a buy the dip moment? Like, is, the, is this their time when they're kind of deciding to come in, right? Gobble stuff up. Um, and even in kind of just the Web3 space, an article, uh, a piece of news recently is um, uh, Medico is an institutional standard for digital asset services. It's basically a company that um, is kind of like a crypto custody firm. Uh, that is the, quote, institutional standard for digital asset services. So allowing um, people to get exposure to these digital assets like HBAR without actually needing to participate in Web3. Over 3 million HBAR was migrated to um, Medico. So things are happening on all fronts, right? Like right inside of Hedera externally kind of in crypto and web three more broadly and then also in traditional finance there is a large shift happening the likes of which i don't think that we've really seen before um of course in the past in these kind of bull bear market cycles in crypto we've seen the role that traditional finance plays something's in the air um and i think that a lot of people are talking about it for that reason and we don't quite know what the catalyst for the next bull market is going to be. People say it's going to be utility. I can totally see that. We also saw Lehman's tweets talking about a crisis in governance and the fact that, um, you know, just to bring up another quote from um, from uh, Rob Allen. Um, let me see here. Uh, I want to see if I have more. Did I make a note here? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So the, this is the other thing that I'll talk about, but I don't think it was, it was Rob Allen. I think it was, um, it was, it was uh, Scott. So this is what Scott Deal said is he, again, Scott Deal at DLA Piper with Toco. They tokenized the home. If you're in Adair, you know, DLA Piper, governing council member, yada, 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 shout out. Um, Scott says, technology and the governance aside, right? The two big factors we always talk about in Hedera. The network with the most TVR, right, total value represented, is going to influence the decision of a homeowner or business and which network they want to tokenize their valuable assets on, right? Talking about um, the, the tokenization of these, of these um, re, uh, residential real estate products, but also referencing TVR, total value represented, which contrasts total value locked, Um and that's kind of what this is all about is I think that, you know, seeing this news like we well, like we just covered here and then segueing into this HBAR bullet interview where I mean, he talked with Scott Teal and also the CEO of Quarter Homes about the tokenization of, of residential real estate, what that looks like and how you kind of can extrapolate that to what we're seeing in traditional finance. I think that really hits the nail on the head. You've got TVL, which most folks are familiar with, which is basically the measure of right? Total value locked. Um, what DeFi assets, right? Decentralized financial assets are held on this chain and locked on this chain. And what Scott is saying from DLA Piper is he's saying on, on the broader scope, it's TVR that matters. Total value represented, right? TVR is how much value in a traditional finance context is represented on this network. And currently, Hedera, I'll give you a couple examples. 
Um, DLA Piper has tokenized $500 million in value um, on Hedera. They recently tokenized three-quarter million dollar home as an, exper as an experiment, fractionally tokenized. Um, and then also it was Aberdeen that tokenized, um, how much How much did it tokenize on uh, Hedera? Let me look this up. Hedera Aberdeen tokenized. I think it was something like, um, yeah, so they tokenized, I think it was like 15 billion pounds worth of, um, worth of their assets on Hedera. So when you look at the TVR aspect of these networks, it gets very interesting. You could argue that um, Ethereum has, just with USDT, right, has $60 billion tokenized on it. But in the same respect, you could say that Hedera, with just Aberdeen's and DLA Piper's um, use cases, Hedera has close to $20 billion of assets tokenized. And I think that the the enterprise angle of Hedera, we could start to see that number rise quite a bit. And so that's kind of what this is about segueing into the into the HBAR bull episode. It's like looking at it through that lens and understanding that technology and governance aside, I think that enterprise through the scope of wanting to tokenize, like let's say real estate or diamonds or uh, mutual funds or what, whatever it may be, wanting to tokenize those assets on a network, they're going to want to tokenize on a network that has a lot of that stuff tokenized on it, right? In the same way that a... Um, decentralized finance protocol will want to build on a network with the highest TVL. It's the same thing, just a slightly larger scope. And also there's no context for it. No other network is measuring TVR. Um, it's a new term coined by Scott at DLA Piper. So it's really going to be a case of just seeing, is it picked up? Is it used in the future? And how do we measure it? How do we display it? Are we going to live in a world where on the Hedera website or on a, a Hedera use cases website, it displays how much TVR they have? Who knows? Uh, but a couple other um, interesting takeaways from the HBAR Bull um, episode was um, was the quarter homes and Scott Thiel's stuff and DLA Piper stuff. So um, Shannon, uh, last name Daish, I, I guess, uh, probably mispronouncing that, but Shannon, CEO of quarter homes, obviously quarter homes tokenizes homes in quarters, right? Fractional tokenization of a home. So buying a quarter of a home, clever, right? Um, they're working with Toco, right? Toco is a, is a subsidiary of DLA Piper. Um, the home that was tokenized was actually the CEO's home. Talk about eating your own dog food in Boulder, Colorado. Um, they tokenized 97% of the $740,000 home. This is the first time anyone's done this. And Scott says the first of many, which is key. He also emphasized that these are products that are being treated as securities. So they're not dealing in regulatory ambiguity. They're already set to go. So that's interesting about these use cases. Something to keep in mind is they are literally tokenizing securities. This, right, this isn't a question of they're in some kind of gray area. They're like, yes, these are literally securities. We are one of the world's largest law firms. And we are tokenizing these securities. So it's a different realm that's very interesting to see. Um, they want to work with clients, right? Toco wants to work with clients in the full headlights of regulatory scrutiny. So this is a very different conversation than the ones, one we've been having in crypto. 
right? They want to work with clients that are literally tokenizing securities, as Scott says, quote, in the full headlights of regulatory scrutiny. Very interesting. Um, he has topics that he can't talk about. Um, and he kind of wanted to give a flavor of some of the topics he couldn't talk about because obviously they're confidential. They're working with a central bank in Asia around the tokenization of mortgage interests. Fascinating. Um, they're planning on doing an equity token offering for some of its their clients, right? So tokenizing equity in a company. So effectively like a, um, a tokenized stock, I guess. Um, and potentially for TOCO itself. Very interesting. Um, and <clears throat> Quarter, right? Quarter Homes. This is where I found the most interesting. They're working with TOCO to build an exchange and marketplace for these tokenized real estate assets. People will be able to trade these tokenized properties down to the dollar. So the same way as you would go on like a Zeus marketplace to trade NFTs, imagine having a similar experience um, with these tokenized NFTs that represent these real world assets. We talk about it with, you know, when I had Rob Allen on the show, we talked about it for the tokenization of some of these um, sustainability and, and, and you know, um, refi assets, right? Like carbon offsets and different things. Same with homes. So very fascinating. Um, Scott also mentioning that the private markets are larger than public markets, sometimes by a factor of eight to 10. So he said, all in, we could be looking at an $800 trillion tokenized real estate market. So that's really fascinating and very interesting. And if you talk about the future of, and I mean, think of some of the names we brought up previously, right? BlackRock, Citadel, Deutsche Bank, NASDAQ, Fidelity, um, all of these different you know, uh, Vanguard, right? All of these different giant institutions that arguably control the, you know, the world or whatever, tinfoil hat type stuff, but not kind of. Um, they're all talking about the fact that this is this this whole thing is going to move in the direction of tokenization. $800 trillion. Talk about TVR. That's pretty wild. Um, and... He the, the, the last thing that he emphasized was they work with a lot of companies where scratching through the surface with those companies turns out all they want to do is make money. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, again, Scott, CEO of DLA Piper says um, they want to solve real problems and working with quarter homes is going to address the problem of regular people being able to afford a home and bring new liquidity to this marketplace for residential real estate. So with the recent challenges of being able to get a new home, like especially myself in Canada, like potentially thinking about, oh, what does it look like to buy a home? It's it's basically impossible the way that um, this the, the way that these different things are structured, how you get the money to do things, how though that liquidity is moving, and if you think about tokenizing these and how the process will change for home ownership, it's exciting and it ties back into what I was talking about. At the start of this traditional finance topic, which was, um, you know, making things just better for people, for regular people, right? It's not just about improving the top 1%. It's also about these technologies 
um, making things better and solving really hard problems. And so I like the fact that the, and you know, initially you're like, oh, you know, a $740,000 regular home being tokenized. Like it's not really that exciting, right? You might expect like, oh, you know, like a, you know, $700 million skyscraper was tokenized or something, right? But I do like the optics on that, right? The fact that the initial um, proof of concept was a regular family home, um, I think speaks volumes to kind of what the direction of this use case is going to be. So dig it. Let's keep our eye on it. Um, just really quick, some other interesting stuff from the HBAR Bull video this week was um, he had Jim Nasser from Acor on um, and, or is it Acer? I, Zepsi on the show said Acer. I don't know if it's Acorp. Anyways, um, for folks familiar, there was Coinbase that published a video of Acorp that is, you know, a Hedera use case specializing in the medical industry. Um, and, and kind of digitizing and tokenizing um, and authenticating uh, medical data on the hash graph. Um, Coinbase using that as an example in its fight with the SEC of DLTs supporting real world use cases and real value um, as a counter argument to the argument that Web3 is just for JPEGs and and crime, right? So the fact that a Hedera use case was used as an example um, is amazing. And and two interesting tidbits was, turns out that this was the first featured by Coinbase, which is interesting. But not only that, um, Brandon, the, you know, the HBAR bull, the other Brandon, says something interesting that I just kind of wanted to just highlight. He said, Hedera could become a hotbed for initiatives like this when showcasing real-world applications, right? Think about that. Many high-profile organizations and entities like Coinbase going up against the SEC um, and, and trying to push this narrative, is there a better place to find these stories and find these examples and case studies than literally just the Hedera ecosystem page? right? Like Hedera.com slash ecosystem. Like it's kind of crazy. So it's a hotbed and let's see if we see more of these different types of things, uh, being leveraged. Um, Rob Allen, um, was on the show. He mentioned a couple of things that were interesting. They did an AMA structure where basically Rob Allen was answering questions from the community. There was one very, very fascinating tidbit here. Um, but one thing interesting was Rob Allen noted that he misses the town halls and AMA from, from Manson Lehman. If folks don't remember, years ago, every single, well, I say years ago, I sound like an old man. Years ago, back when HBAR, you could get an HBAR for a whole quarter. Um, every month, there was a Zoom call where you could watch literally Manson Lehman just answer community questions. It was pretty crazy every month, right? This is when they were at, still at Hedera. They hadn't moved to Swirls. That's gone now. They're doing Twitter spaces now, which is great. So, But there was a dark period there where it was kind of like, what's going on, guys? Uh, let's hang out. Miss ya, you know? Um, so Rob obviously misses those. He highlights Atma.io is the best enterprise blockchain use case. We already talked about that. He noted... That Atma uses mostly HCS, 
But this is interesting. Remember I was talking about just earlier in the show about the importance of diversification of transaction types on the mainnet and how that relates to revenue for the network. Rob Allen is something interesting here. He was joking at the top of the show that some things he can't talk about or he might, quote, have a hit put out on him. And he, and he was chuckling and, you know, funny joke. He says the following. He noted that Atma uses mostly HCS, but to, quote, watch this space for the use of HTS. And he says he might have a hit taken out of him under his breath. So he's like, what, what, to, to kind of unpack that a little bit. What, what I take from that is Rob saying to the effect of, I know that you guys are looking forward to the network diversifying the, the types of transactions on the network and not just HCS. Stay tuned. That's going to change. So that's what I took away from that. I don't know if when he said watch this space, I don't know if he literally meant the, the Atma IO use case specifically, but very well could be, but obviously a nod to the fact that this is going to happen soon. Um, he talks about some stealth projects. So he basically says, there's a lot of projects I can't talk about, but I can tell you which verticals these stealth projects are in. And he lists digital identity, stable coins, payments and remittance, oracles, proof of reserve, rewards, consumer engagement, and sustainability, obviously sustainability. But remember, this is Rob Allen, started out as an investor, ended up joining um, FPOS in their, uh, he was like an innovations guy, was on the governing council, joined the HBAR Foundation, and is now at the Hashgraph Association. So this is like, this is literally a community member and investor now at the center, at the eye of the storm. So he knows what's going on. And he also can look at it through the lens of being a genuine community member. So Rob Allen's a very, very interesting guy to watch. And I, I do hang on his every word because I think that a lot of what he says does come to fruition and it's presented in a pretty um, conservative way, but he also doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't hold back. Um, he says, quote, there may or may not be other Web3 companies joining the governing council in the medium to long-term future. Gives a big smile. I mean, it's probably nothing. I mean, in one case, you could take that as saying, wow, we're going to get another governing council member similar to Chainlink Labs or something like that on the governing council. Make that, make, make of that what you wish. The other side of it is like, of course, you know, in this hundred year company, every company we could probably think of is going to join the governing council at some point. So to say, you know, a major accounting firm or a major, you know, Apple is going to join the governing council. It's like, yeah, there's probably a small chance that'll happen in, you know, 10, 20, whatever years, but very interesting. Um, the last thing on this was, um, just a touch base with Max Walker Williams that that uh, Brandon the H Bar Bull had. He's launching a new curated NFT marketplace, which I find interesting. Um, it's a it's a it's a interesting approach. Cole's notes from it is brands and companies are most concerned about how they appear in marketplaces, and they want huge engagement. 
So basically what that means is a big um, brand like, let's say, Nike or McDonald's or Jaguar or something, um, or like a major artist, right? They're not going to want to appear in a NFT marketplace or launch pad next to a poop emoji or a drawing of a, you know, a dick or something. It's just, it's not, it's, it's just, I don't think it's something they can get around. It's just tough. The flip side to this is like, listen, it's Web3. It's like you can't prevent your NFT from being listed in a particular third-party marketplace. It's also just literally not possible to completely control the experience. That's why Web3 is the way it is. So to find a medium kind of middle ground, uh, Max Walker Williams with his new mint condition marketplace, there's been like a bazillion people in my Twitter comments with the hashtag mint condition. I don't even know who they are because they all have the same profile picture. I mean, cool marketing um, campaign or whatever, but like, I get it, you know? I mean, it's like, it's it's cool. Um, but the main thing here is it's a marketplace where I feel Max is going to be um, attracting these major brands and providing them a launch pad and marketplace that puts them alongside curated projects in um, the Hedera ecosystem, right? Um, Max has talked to me about it. I mean, he's a legend in the space. He started uh, doing videos and content and doing news. Um, now he's got a project. So I think that overall, again, another community member working with high profile companies who has a background in understanding how to run large scale businesses, stepping into Web3. He's got Utopian Labs. He's got the dev muscle power. He's building a marketplace. He wants to do these types of things. Poke as many holes as you want in what he's doing. I'm just happy someone's taking a crack at it, right? Because that's just a challenge that we have. We're not going to have a major brand list on Zeus Market or one of the launch pads that we have. I'm sorry, but it's just not going to happen right now. If we have a space, maybe there's a chance it happens. And Max is taking one for the team here, truly. There's huge upside to this. And it's a big challenge. So, I mean, huge shout out to Max, um, to everyone uh, commenting hashtag mint condition in my um, in my Twitter comments. Uh, I know about it now, so thank you. You don't need to do that anymore. Um, and something else that was really interesting, and also something I do really appreciate about Max is he was very honest about becoming a builder. In Hedera and the challenges that come along with that that I'm sure other developers can relate to. And I think this is an aspect that maybe has improved because I know that Hedera and Swirls have brought on some new folks to work on documentation more. But he said in particular, um, there's a lot of, in his experience, there's a lot of out-of-date documentation. So his team would be working away and they soon discovered that the documentation that they were using was out-of-date. So that is a big... That's a big no-no. The other thing is he provided a really great analogy that I wanted to share, which is if the goal of builders in the ecosystem is in the center of a jungle and all the developers are spread around on the outside, slashing their way into the middle, it's a very ineffective way to get to the middle. Better is 
developers following behind each other and sharing their innovations and leveraging the, the what each other builds. And I mean, that's very idealistic. Um, it's very hard to establish standards, to navigate competition, all those different types of things. So that's a very kind of pie in the sky, idealistic scenario. But I think that that kind of illustration um, is a very um, apt way of both of illustrating both sides of the spectrum, right? And he has a great point. He's like, we need um, people who have developed in the ecosystem to be able to share those pathways and those tools so others can come in and just get going and not slash from the outside. Um, so I get that. So two very interesting takeaways from uh, from Max Walker-Williams. Um, now, I want to dive into some ordinal stuff because we do have uh, you know a couple other news items to touch on. Um, actually, real quick, maybe, you know what we'll, we'll do? The ordinal stuff is a little bit to unpack, so here's what we'll do. Let's get through the news, and then we'll finish off the spaces with ordinals because um, it's a. It, I think it's a great way to to summarize everything, and it's really why I why I titled the spaces the way I titled it. So, um, and I do see a couple uh, orange PFPs in here. I know that patches and a couple other projects have uh, gone into ordinals. So shout out to you all, but. News stories, rapid fire. So let's get this out of the way. Um, we've got uh, we've got some hash pack updates. So um, the audit has been completed. I know it was highly anticipated for many in the community, and rightfully so. Hash pack is the most used wallet in the Hedera ecosystem, and it's a difficult coin to see flip, right? Because on one side, you have you know, an unaudited application that is a major part of the plumbing of the network, um, kind of like the Achilles heel right now, right? It's a, it's something everybody really needs, and 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 um, it's it, it's not an audited product, and I think that that was a very fair assessment from the community to apply some pressure to Hashpack to get that done. The other side to that coin is wallets especially non-custodial wallets, inherently have to do things that aren't conventionally a, um, let me, I don't want to, I don't want to mush the words on this. I want to find the, the actual, um, I want to find, um, okay, this, these are the words from Quantstamp who actually did the, the audit. And this illustrates the other side of the coin very well. Um, uh, Quantstamp says, quote, and in, in Hashback's audit says, quote, self-custodial wallets are a particularly difficult technology to implement and audit. This is because they use techniques that would be in ordinary situ sorry, that in ordinary situations be considered inadvisable according to best practices in security. However, this is often considered unavoidable due to the necess necessity of users having access to their private keys. So effectively saying, you got to put the private keys on the device and, you know, that's not ideal, but literally it just has to be done because how are users going to be able to do what they have to do? It is worth just, just kind of tacking on here. That's why DREC is very interesting because 
Lehman. And we talked about this extensively on previous episodes. So go back and listen to those. It's brandond.com slash HBAR. I'm not going to ramble on here, but DREC effectively allows you to recover your keys by having other helpers and other devices store them for you. It can also act as decentralized custody. So effectively this, um, you know, uh, quote, you know, unavoidable and necessary um, corner cut on security may no longer need to be cut with new technologies like decentralized custody. So fascinating to keep in mind, but that's the other side of the coin. So there was this coin flip that's been happening for a very long time. Everyone's been watching it, hoping it lands on the right side. It's landed. The audit is good to go. The um, issues, um, only one severe issue, um, couple medium severity issues, standard stuff for an audit. Um, these have been acknowledged and or fixed or mitigated. And basically, Hashpack was super secure before. Now it's the most secure it could possibly be. And I think that this puts to rest a lot of um, concern in the community. And I think um, this news is probably going to pass a lot of people by. They're not going to know about any of this. But for me, um, I mean, I know that just getting this audit, Quantstamp is very reputable just from a, a money standpoint, a time standpoint, a resources standpoint, it's quite a lot to take on. But shout out to Hashpack, shout out to all the other wallets getting audited. Um, I know it's a pain in the butt. I know that audits in general um, can have gaps sometimes as well. Um, but I think that overall, it just, the more that we can do to have these types of assurances on the network and just have projects do the absolute most that they can to provide the best experience and safest experience for people on the network at a time when Hedera is in beta and very small and looking to grow. This is huge. So shout out to the Hashpack team. Also, uh, Pluto was DMing me earlier asking me to talk about the new themes that they have on there. So you can get all different, uh, I guess you can do soon. You'll be able to have different colors in your hash pack. You'll be able to have um, uh, green maybe, or blue, uh, red also potentially. There are also rumors that I'm hearing that you may be able to um, have uh, orange maybe. Um, and I'm going to make this up completely. And this is, uh, just speculation on my part, <clears throat> you may be actually able to have um, uh, teal as well. So check that out. Um, I mean, I, I will be frank. I mean, when, when, you, when we talk about Hashpack, these two announcements showed two sides to that project that really kind of encapsulate what it's all about. On one side, they're doing a hefty security audit. And on another side, they're like, we're going to have more colors in the wallet. Um, they're doing a great job. If that's not focusing on all things at once, I don't know what is. It's the little touches here and there, but then it's also the big overhauls and all sorts of different things. So shout out to the Hashpack team. Um, they've got competition nipping at their heels. And shout out to the competition for not only pushing Hashpack forward, but, you know, Kabila's doing great stuff. Walla Wallet's always had my back. We got Blade Wallet doing stuff with Karate Combat and everything. So, I mean, it's it's good. It's good to see. I dig it. And uh, 
just don't stop it. Don't rest on your laurels. And I'm excited to see some cool themes. I've, I've got a gold backpack in my wallet. I, I, I'll be honest, I switched the gold theme here or there if I'm feeling fancy in my wallet. So, um, teach his own. Uh, Chairman Powell from the Fed, I mean, I said this recently, there was an article published in Blockworks just on the traditional finance stuff. He says, quote, stable coins are a form of money the Fed needs to regulate. So make of that what you will, whether it's good news or bad news, it just shows that um, the Web2 traditional finance world whether they love crypto or hate crypto, they cannot ignore it any longer. So good to see. An interesting quote in that article is, if we were to, and we're a long way from this, support at some point in the future, a CBDC, it would be one that we're intermediating through the banking system and not directly at the Fed. So talking about CBDCs, and with a sentence structure that is so convoluted that I can barely read it. Um, they call it Fed speak. Um, yeah. I mean, they clearly there's signals that um, kind of the traditional finance government regulatory bodies can no longer ignore crypto. Um, Archaia, a Hedera infrastructure partner that provides mirror nodes and tooling and all sorts of different stuff has launched a new um, transaction counter. So like most folks will use HederaTXNS.com, the purple one that we know, sponsored by Saucer Swap, built by Mr. Lemonbird, um, is what we see and what we use all the time to, to talk about how many transactions are moving through the mainnet and the testnet. Archaia published a, a, a one of their own. Same stuff, right? You can watch it. It's great. There is a new feature on this one, though, that's very interesting, and you can find it at metrics.archaia.io, A-R-K-H-I-A. Um, it has the addition of showing the max TPS, which I think is really handy because when you open the tab on the network counter and you're watching those numbers spin along, obviously it changes from, you know, it goes up, it goes down, and having the max on there shows you the maximum TPS that's been displayed during your session, which is very handy. So when you take that screenshot, not only are you going to see the current TPS, but it'll also show the maximum that you've seen during that browsing session. So a new feature for that. So use them both, use one, use the other, whatever suits your fancy. Um, and I mean... I mean, we have, we have kind of like a bummer news story. Do we have a fun news story? Um, or is it literally just a bummer news story? Let me see here. All right. Okay, whatever. So people, we talked about this last week, I think. The Access saga, if people don't remember, Access was a um, NFT project. 2021 OG Hedera project minted millions of dollars in NFTs and people say they rugged people say that they disappeared you say whatever you want it was not good we had um uh, a former employee of access last week kind of kind of enter a, a whistleblowing um stance wanting to reveal all the documents and smoking guns but 
this week we have an uh, an update from Access themselves on their Instagram, which says, "Quote: We know it's been a while, and we owe you all an update to everything we've been working on, and the time will soon come to let you know our plan." The bear market has been brutal and we had to shift resources and priorities around to make sure that we survived this market. Rest assured, your wallets are still intact and one of the priorities is to, we have is to allow storage of our NFTs in your own managed wallet and the ability to move, sell on other marketplaces. Um, they also say, we'll be switching our main chain from Hedera Hashgraph to Polygon Ethereum for consumer dApps and Amazon QLDB for enterprise dApps. The longer term goal for us is to have our own DLT so we can control cost slash scale issues we encounter while using Hedera Hashgraph. We will still support Hedera Hashgraph, but we realize the scale of execution, it did not make sense to keep building their DLT on their DLT. Nonetheless, we plan on flipping the switch live quarter four, 2023, and hope by that time you'll understand why it's taken longer than expected. Thank you for your continued, but whatever, blah, blah. So basically the update is we're no longer building on Hedera. We're building on Polygon. Um, it, building on Hedera was difficult. We moved money around. So not going to give my opinion on this. You can imagine what my opinion is as an, you know, an OG NFT collector um, and project myself on Hedera with Pixel Rug. I've spoken with Dill before and all that kind of stuff. He's always welcome to come on the show and talk about what's going on. But um, general sentiment in the community is not a good look, not a good experience. Um, people are genuinely um, assuming they will not get their money back that they spent on the Metacore NFTs. And we don't know how the $3 million was spent or where it was moved or what have you. So we'll just have to see. I just wanted to provide that update in the Access Saga. Quick mention as well. I wanted to, maybe I'll do this. I'll give some lighter news. I am working on a music NFT called Hello Future, which is a HBAR anthem for the community. It is going to be a, a beautiful multi-file NFT with all sorts of goodies inside it, including the full-length song that I recorded with my good friend and business partner, Joshua Dirksen, at the recording studio in September. We've been working on it for six months. Um, it's been a labor of love. But why it's taken so long is we've needed, um, similar to HIP 412, right, metadata standards for NFTs on Adara. We need music-specific metadata standards for Hedera. So these NFTs are using an all-new set of work-in-progress um, beta, if you will, music metadata standards. So they have a lot of new capabilities um, and uh, include a lot of different things that are tailored to music. And I think will help push the space forward because the reality is, is that half of the artwork that we consume in the real world is audible, is not stuff that we look at. It's not a visual medium. And you could safely say that 95, 99% of the artwork that we consume on Hedera is visual. So there is so much more room to grow in the NFT space. And I do believe that music 
is going to be a massive wave across networks. And the difficulty is creating standards that accommodate the industry and not only allow these products to be created on DLTs, but allow those products to connect with the Web2 world and all the different vinyl records and physical merchandise out there. So it's a huge undertaking that's going to take a long time to figure out. Certainly, you know, it's going to be beyond just a group of musicians. But the only way to start stuff like this is by putting out music, right? So Hello Future, an H-bar anthem from my creative firm, Dirksen and Davenport Incorporated, is coming very, very soon. We're working on the final touches. Everything's been put together. We're going to be minting on mainnet um, before you know it. Um, so go to dd.style slash hellofuture, sign up. You'll get an alert when, when we got some insider updates. There's a, uh, um, what I'll do is I'll just pin a tweet um, to the top of the spaces here. And I mean, I don't usually like, um, you know, plug stuff in the spaces here of my own. I, I really try to keep this focused on the news and Hedera and Hashgraph and stuff. But um, I do think that this is an important initiative. I'm a musician. I'm a drummer. I did drums on this track. I'm backing vocals and stuff. And this means a lot to me. I do believe that artists um, generally drive the adoption of new technologies in history. So as an artist, this is exciting. So that's what I'm trying to do. So it's going to be a cool NFT. Um, I can't talk about much more. There's so much I can't talk about with it, but it's coming. It's going to be exciting. The song is amazing. There is like a teaser of it in the video. Anyways, I'll move on from it, but check it out. I'm, I, I couldn't be more excited about it. So I hope everyone gets a copy. There will be a, you will be able to get a copy of the Hello Future um, NFT for a couple dollars. You should always be able to get good rock and roll for a few bucks. That's my promise. Um, so what else we got going on? The last thing I want to talk about today is kind of the main overarching theme. And I hope that you stick around. I know we're an hour and a half now, but I, I won't spend too much time on this just because it's not really directly Hedera related. But um, my mind was changed on this. And I'm going to talk about Bitcoin ordinals and um, Patches is busy, but next time I get an opportunity to have him on the show, I'm going to talk with him about this more at length. But I wanted to just share some things that I learned from Patches, from Hangry Barboons, from other artists in the Hedera community and developers that are seeing opportunity where others are not, right? They're seeing opportunity where others see problems. Bitcoin ordinals, what are what are those? So um, I don't know. I don't know enough yet to understand how they work technically. So if you want to know more exactly about Bitcoin ordinals, um, Patches did an amazing Twitter spaces that I'm going to be referencing. Um, go check it out. I was asking him some questions on it. It, it was a great conversation. I can't remember exactly um, kind of a lot of the details It's outside of my knowledge. But if you're curious on that front, go check it out. But basically the explain it like I'm five is this is Bitcoin is not built to do certain things. One of these things that it's not built to do is to have um, fungible tokens and non-fungible tokens minted on top of Bitcoin. It cannot accommodate these things. 
there are interesting hacks and workarounds that have been developed to make this possible. And these hacks and workarounds are nuts. They're crazy. When you look at them on the surface, it's essentially a technology that's not capable of doing its intended purpose. And more so than that, the ways in which these are implemented are heavily centralized, right? Literally, it's like five or 10 people and like a laptop or two. It's, it's, there are these systems that have been put in place. There are bare bone. There's no real governance. There's no decentralized component. It's, it's completely trust-based entirely. And whenever I saw stuff about Bitcoin ordinals, um, I just didn't really bother with it, right? I was scrolling through my feed and I didn't really bother with it, right? And I got to be honest, I saw, you know, some NFT projects in Hedera um, start dabbling in Bitcoin ordinals. And I was like, I don't get it. What's going on? And I think partially, you know, it's because I'm spread so thin in my own work, right? It's a bear market. Um, a lot of people are pivoting. Um, you know, my, my, uh, creative firm is working with so many different projects in the ecosystem, helping them weather this bear market and, um, just been so busy. So I'm like, ordinals, what, like what's going on? This seems like crap. And what I started to understand was when Bitcoin ordinals were, you know, quote unquote invented, it was basically like, Hey, we got an idea and here's how it's going to be done. And in the paper published for Bitcoin ordinals at the top in big letters, it says this will probably not work and will probably be discontinued very soon. This is an experiment. Be prepared to lose all of the money that you put into this project. With the snap of a finger, hundreds of millions of dollars were funneled through the Bitcoin ordinals ecosystem. And that created this, um, that this abrasive juxtaposition in my mind that was kind of like, what? Like this is peak insanity. And it just gets your head further into that space of like, what are they doing? Like, this is such a problem. And hearing some people in our community talk about ordinals and because like many in the Hedera ecosystem, we're just many in web three in general, or I mean, with the state of things, anyone literally just working today, um, I just don't have the attention span for it. I didn't have time to look into these things. I didn't have time to see like a few in the Hedera community have seen <clears throat> that these arc problems that these may in fact be opportunities. And when I tuned into the Twitter space that Patches was hosting that had like 10 people in it initially, um, I don't think that there's a lot of interest for this in the Hedera community. Um, but when I tuned into this, I, I have tuned in to be like, let me hear Patches explain how crazy this is and how insane this is and maybe how we're going to make some money off of this or like... 
I don't know what what's going on. I don't know what's happening. And and I'm I'm just not the kind of person like I'm not really driven by money largely. I'm I'm like just I'm just happy to be here. <clears throat> so I was just curious to see what he was going to say. And he said something and right away my brain switched. My brain switched from this is a problem to this is an opportunity. And what he said was really really simple. He said Hedera is designed, or Hashgraph is designed to be a trust layer for the internet. It's designed to be a trust layer for networks, for projects, right? That's literally how Lehman described Hedera. Bitcoin Ordinals is a network in desperate need of a trust layer. Literally, this is what Hashgraph is designed to do. When you have a network that has hundreds of millions of dollars flowing through it that is in some way bringing value to people enough that they continue piling liquidity into it, you start to see a concern in that community for proper governance, for trustless-based systems. They are crying out for a trust layer. <clears throat> and I mean, um, on the surface, when patches, you know, part of, part of what he talks about being integrated with this community is nobody, it really is technically minded in that space. Everybody is interested in making money and nobody cares what the outcome is. Nobody is concerned about the infrastructure. It's just not factored in. And that's the tough part, right? When you see that opportunity, it doesn't always mean that you're going to be serving people that want that, even though they need it. So it's that tough situation where you're building things people need, not things people want. So Patches has seen this opportunity and Hangry Barboons and other um, Hedera projects, right? Even Dead Pixels and um, a few other builders in the space are seeing Bitcoin ordinals as this kind of monster of a network in need of a trust layer and starting to do things like working on voting proposals, working on um, ordinals and improvement processes, trying to take some of the same methodologies and tooling that we have on Hedera and applying that to the world of ordinals and actually having real results. They were able to leverage HCS to hold a vote for um, ordinals community members on Hedera. So that was really fascinating to see those two worlds connect and for people in the ordinals community interface directly with the Hedera network to perform an action of, of decentralized governance that would not be possible on the network that they're on. But isn't that what this is all about? And that's where my, my brain flipped, right? So again, I don't want to dive into it too much. I really want to have patches on the show to talk about this, but I think what I wanted to do tonight was to talk to you enough to pique your interest a little bit and hopefully pass along just that key insight that Patches was talking about when it comes to Bitcoin ordinals and hopefully encourage some folks. I'm not saying go out and buy an ordinal. What I'm saying is flip your brain from seeing problems to seeing opportunities, right? I think it's about time that we actually embody that spirit that Lehman brought of 
a network in search of problems. We should be looking for problems. We should be looking for um, communities like ordinals, right? Or for example, on Solana, if they have NFT farming and they have issues keeping track of time accurately, we need to stop looking at those networks and going, you're doing this wrong. There's a better way to do this, yada, 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 right? And we need to start doing what Lehman would do essentially, which is, hey, this is a network that needs a trust layer. I am using the self-described trust layer of the internet in the form of a free open sourced um, GitHub repository called Hashgraph that somebody can take, download, and form into their own network with its own rules and use that to make their network better. That's what mass adoption that's 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 a pathway for mass adoption for Hedera is people understanding that it's a technology that works and can plug the holes in their own ecosystems that they need to plug in a way that inherently gives them that ABFT, 100% finality, quick time to finality, all these different wonderful things. And so the Ordinals community can leverage something like a hash graph um, to move their NFTs around to move their fungible tokens around on a layer on top. It almost sounds like Hashgraph could be the best layer two on the market for some of these networks. So <clears throat> my takeaway from that and, and what I want to impress upon the Hedera community as a skeptic, right? As a self-described Hashgraph maxi, right? I'm not a Hedera maxi. It's more of a technology type thing. I'm, I'm obsessed with Hashgraph. Don't make the same mistakes that I did, right? Don't see problems as problems when they're actually opportunities. So I want to say huge shout out to Hangry Barboons and all the other artists and builders and developers and projects that are able to see these as opportunities and also patches for doing the same, but then also starting to build actual solutions and infrastructure and, and proposals for that network to help build it out. Um, I think that just, just to finalize my thoughts on this, Patches said something interesting to me is he said, um, the hardest part about these networks is they have a full send mentality, right? It's about gambling, um, throwing caution to the wind, not caring about the fundamentals, not caring about the structure of the network. All that matters is making money, which is really kind of the antithesis of um, what our community on Hedera and Hashgraph is about. But I think that we can also have that full send mentality about these things, but from a technology mindset. So I think that we should take that on. I think that when we see these wonky networks that are all busted, we should go, let's go, let's dive in. We've got everything they need. Let's, let's pile into this community. Let's say hello. Let's buy some stuff that they're doing. Let's get involved. Let's talk about all the different things we're going to be able to help them out with. Let's learn about some stuff that they're doing because it can't all be worse. They're, they may be doing some things that are actually ama amazing that we might never figure out otherwise. Let's just do that stuff. Why not? It seems to be working out for patches, and I think that it's that it's a great thing. And again, no matter which way you slice it, 
Literally, Lehman describes Hashgraph and Hedera as the trust layer of the internet. What need trust layers? And let's just tell them that there's one available and it's open source and free. And that's amazing. Like, it, it's actually just an amazing thing to think about it that way. It's it's just that simple. It's like, hey guys, you having problems? Well, there's this free tool available that, that you can use to build out your own thingy-majig that you need. You can plug it into this doodad and you're good to go kind of thing. So I, th I think it's great. I like it. Um, and uh, holy cow. Um, so what's some other stuff that's going on? Um, just before, I mean, uh, I, I think I talked about everything. Um, if I sound like I'm losing it a bit here, folks, like if I sound like I'm going a little bit lightheaded, um, I am in Ottawa. It is very hot here my ac isn't working correctly and i can't open the windows in my office because there's a massive forest fire in the province just north of us blowing smoke and god knows what over here and it's dangerous to breathe in it so i'm i'm sitting in my in in, in my office uh just literally baking it must be it must i'm sweating I, i've got I'm, I'm ready to strip down here and uh, I'm starting to hallucinate a little bit. So uh, thank you for bearing with me through the show. I really appreciate it. So another week behind us and another week ahead. A huge shout out to everyone listening live on the Twitter spaces right now. Another shout out to everyone listening to the recording on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and an extra, extra shout out to everyone making a donation to the show. If you have a moment, give the show a rating and review on your favorite platform. It helps a lot. I know they're at the end, just nearing the end of the show here, but share it on Twitter spaces anyways. Tell people to listen to the recording. Let's let's keep growing the show. The one thing that's great is um, we're growing in donations. Um, I'm getting very close to being able for the show to afford um, some new equipment. It's going to improve. But the only way the show improves is by by uh, those donations continuing. So, and also too, it doesn't matter the size of the donation. Like honestly, I got a twenty H bar donation um, with the memo in it, just saying how much they love the show and how much they learn from it. And it's like that makes my day. So any amount helps. This is a community show. I've been approached with partnerships. I've been approached with sponsorships and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a cool new new show in the Hedera ecosystem that a lot of folks listen to. You know, hundreds or thousands every week. So, um, in a small community, which is quite the feat. Um, so really it's like, I kind of just want to keep it donation based. It seems to be working and it's fun and I can spend more time talking about news and stuff. So let's, let's hope to keep it that way. Um, so the goal right now is let's get some new equipment. Let's get, let's get things set up properly. And I mean, I put out a tweet the other day. It was really heartwarming. I, I was just like, I was just reflecting on the show. I was working on some of my research and I was like, man, I started this on Clubhouse before Twitter Spaces even existed. Um, and I, I, when I, when I started out in a band, um, one of the best pieces of advice I got was like, you, you have to be able to play to empty rooms, right? You have to be able to play shows where nobody comes because the only way that you get started in, in the business of being in a, in a, in a kind of a rock and roll band is you just have to play shows. You have to get good at playing shows. And I played many, many shows over many, many years 
or nobody, right? Until you start to gain traction and then you, you know, get to play bigger and bigger venues and all that kind of stuff. And that's my mentality with this kind of stuff. For the first six months of this show, I was doing the show literally to the same 10 people every week on Clubhouse, right? And some of those 10 people were my guests, which was hilarious. It was basically like a, sh like a get together of me and some friends. And to be honest, there's a part of me that does miss those early days of the show. Cause like, I like, like I, you know, I used to run a technology publication like 10 years ago. It had like 13 editors and I, I've, I've done tons of podcasts and all those different types of things. But like I produce a podcast here in Canada for like the Supreme court of Canada and stuff. So I produce podcasts all the time and do all sorts of stuff like that. But, um, I didn't really know what to expect. I just had so much fun, but honestly it just keeps getting better and better. And so I'm just so appreciative to everybody. Like uh, now it's on all major podcast platforms and all that stuff. And I mean, you know, hundreds of people tune in every week. So it's just like, just really appreciative and it's been years and we're almost at a hundred episodes and stuff. So like just feels great. I, I would have never expected this. This would be a part of my career. Um, so many good things that have happened to me, like for my projects, my company, all different types of things are just from this show, just getting to know people from bringing value. A lot of the connections I have in the space are just because people listen to my show and they enjoy it and they find value and they reach out to chat. So um, this show has just genuinely brought so much to me in my personal and professional life. And it's just because of people like you guys tuning in every week and listening and now making donations and sub subscribing on YouTube and Apple podcasts and all that kind of stuff. So just like appreciative on so many different levels. Um, and uh, yeah, just, just amazing. So a reminder, I got a new music NFT dropping. Um, my creative firm, Dirks and Davenport Incorporated. Um, go check it out. Hello Future, get in the loop. It's pinned to the top of the spaces. It's a vibe. Um, Monday, tomorrow, I'm interviewing uh, Cheyenne from IBM Executive uh, Partnerships. We're going to find out what they're doing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, the show's getting better and better as we go. I dig it. So... And uh, the heat's getting to me. I'm scrolling through, <laughs> scrolling through my ending script here, and I'm like, "Do I even read this thing?" Okay, here we go. We can do it. Let's let's land this thing. Thank you for tuning into Hashgraph Enthusiast News and Rumors, Episode 81: Problems and Opportunities. Broadcast live on Twitter Spaces every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific and made available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, every Monday. Get all the info you need about the show and listen to past episodes at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. Make sure to join the Hashgraph Enthusiast Twitter community, share your insights, ask questions, and invite new friends. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, feel free to send an hbar donation to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet. The full hbar address can be found in the show notes below. I appreciate everyone tuning in and showing support, and I'll see you live on Twitter Spaces next Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. For everyone listening live now, I'm going to do what I always do. If you see someone listening and you don't recognize their PFP, hit it, send them a DM, ask them what's up, make an introduction. And if you do recognize them and you haven't talked with them in a while, do the same thing. Ask them what's new. I guarantee you they got something new going on. Stay connected. 
stay good, stay safe out there. Um, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening. And uh, keep it real, H-Barbarians. Hell of future. Goodbye past.